I've been predominantly playing keys. I'll jump on the guitar every now and then. And recently I've been jumping on the accordion. At UCSB, I am getting my undergraduate degree at, in music studies, so just a BA in music studies. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. I got into music at first just because, well, I was taking violin lessons in fifth grade, and I put it down because it's not the best reason, but I said, okay, that's not cool. I want to I play sports, so then I picked up a football instead of a fiddle. And then soon after that, I couldn't pick up the guitar. My hands weren't big enough still at that point. And then when I was in high school, I had just won my state championship in wrestling. And my family said, okay, well, we're going to get you something. So I got this bracelet, and they decided to get me a guitar. So with the guitar came guitar lessons, and I started to do that a little bit. And this is right around the time I was 17. And I started there, and I was really taking it pretty seriously. I really liked playing Jack Johnson. I really liked the John Mayer blues licks. I was looking into Ben Harper. I mean, I just love that sound. I just love the sound of the guitar. I love the timbre of the instrument. And then from there, I said, well, what am I going to do? Because I just don't feel like I can get enough gigs with the guitar. So then I started trying to plunk out chords on the piano. And right after that, right after I graduated high school, I was doing shows at like a local Mexican restaurant. I was just playing the guitar, trying to do flamenco guitar. And then right after that, I went to college and they had a booth outside where they were doing the walk-arounds. And they said, oh, do you want to do music? And they stopped me and I said, well, no, not really. I just want to sing. I was a horrible singer, mind you, at this point. I had no control of my instrument. And then they said, okay, well, come be in the choir. And I said, no, nah, I don't think that's my thing. I don't think that's my gig. And then they said, well, come do piano lessons. And I kept that in the back of my mind. I said, well, that might be interesting. And luckily, since my school was so small, they had an open door policy. So the door was open to the, uh, the piano professor. So I walked in and I said, hey, I'm not too involved with this instrument, but I want to be. And then he said, okay, well, let me hear you play something. I played a couple chords, and that's all I could do. And... Yeah, and, and, and then what I did from that point, I, he said, well, I could try to read this. And I could barely read the music. It was children's music, and I felt so discouraged. And he said, well, I want to I give you lessons. So that whole semester, I really did not like working on the beginning stuff. Soon after that, he said, well, here's some Chopin. And that was an explosive thing that happened for me emotionally with the instrument where I said there you can get so much out of this decaying instrument and that from that point forward I, I literally sat down and I love practicing I like being involved with the instrument and I'm still I'm still learning and then that's a that's a great quote from da Vinci if I'm not mistaken and that's that's where I am though that's me taking the plunge a little deeper one step at a time my musical influences now still have to go back to about 1850, so that's much farther back than most people. But recently, diving into the world of jazz a little bit more wholeheartedly, if you will, I, I have to give love to Bill Evans, too. Just I give, I give love, I think, where it's deserved. When people almost have more emotion in their playing than most people have emotion to give, I take, take note of that. And with the recording studio at Columbia Records, I've been noticing a lot 
in Bill Evans' recordings where you can almost see the, the kinesthetic lines of music playing that end up happening. You can see this wash of color. And with that being said, of course, you can't separate Bill, De Bill Evans from Miles Davis, too, so you have to think of that sextet as its own thing. And taking that further, with me, I have a lot of different artists who I go for to listen to, if you will, for different things. Bill Evans, I think, touches on the emotional side, also the innocent, playful side, where I think Oscar Peterson shows that bombastic side of keyboard technique and dexterity where he's almost boastful and we all have that side of too but we have to well we have each and we have different sides my musical goals vary for a while i just wanted to to play as ambiguous and as vague as that is i just wanted to play i didn't know what genre i liked so i had taken some bad plunges i was in an 80s hair metal band and I hated that experience. It was so awful. And I was, I was really bad at it, too. Like, I can't take any credit away from that. Because I didn't listen to the music. I didn't practice. I didn't want to practice. I didn't like that music. I, I liked it from a distance, but I didn't want to be wearing a wig. And I, I didn't like the theatrics of it, if, if that makes any sense. So I first came into contact with St. Mike's via an email chain that went out in the music department entitled, We Need Musicians. And the, the, the subject was so vague, I said, well, am I a musician? I had to think philosophically at that point. And then it said, okay, contact uh, Scott Clausen. And I said, well, okay, I can do that. And I was apprehensive at first. I said, well, maybe, um, maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'm not what they're looking for, because I hadn't worked in church before. And then I said, well, okay, I'll send the email. And I sent the email, and then Scott said, hey, yeah, come come this Sunday, come at 9.30, uh, you play the keys, okay, you play anything else? And I gave him my list of instruments, and then he said, just come. And I said, oh, okay. And then I did that, and that's how I first became involved, if you will. My favorite part of playing it with the St. Mike's band is the acoustics. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but moving forward, it's you're bringing so many people with different backgrounds in music who have been exposed to different music growing up, listening to different tunes. You have people that have been classically trained on the violin. You have people that have been jazz saxophonists. You have people who are studying operatic performance. You have people who are doing ethnomusicology, diving into these instruments that most people can't even orally understand. And it still sounds good. They don't know what's happening, but it still sounds good. And you, you have this melting pot that just ends up making sense. And that comes out in the music. You have these different idiomatic things that are happening. Whereas if you have 17 people that have all gone to Juilliard, well, they all have a Juilliard sound. Whereas when you have one person that just picked up the guitar and he said, okay, well, let me knock out some chords. If you have a drummer that says, okay, you know, I really like playing surf rock, well, that's going to be a sound that's reflected. You have a sound that's reflected from class classicism, classical, classical keyboard, classical violinists, classical operatic singers, and I use the term classical loosely to just say, I guess, professional training at that point. But there's also non-Western classicism that's brought to the table with Eastern religion, with, with Eastern culture, which is really at the forefront of these instruments. And Ravi Shankar, who's a very famous sitar player who taught George Harrison of the Beatles, he actually said you can't separate music from culture and culture from music because they're one and the same. 
And I think that's kind of something that ends up happening at St. Mike's. Well, you can't separate any of those idiosyncrasies. So what it ends up doing is providing a flat platform for all of these to exist cohesively together. Thank mm-hmm. you.